Hi, and welcome to the Write the Story podcast, where we divulge tips on plotting as you listen in to us outlining a short story. This episode has been brought to you by our listeners and supporters on Patreon. If you want to help bring more podcasts like this one to life, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash amwritingfantasy. Welcome to episode 6. I'm Autumn. Before I call Jesper, I want to fill you in on what we accomplished in the last episode. Last week, Jesper and I continued working on the seven stages of story structure, moving on from the new info stage and into the planning phase, coming up with the hurdle and malls of our short story. With that set, this week we are hoping to wrap up the plotting with the climax and hopefully get to the wrap-up. We'll see how it goes. Okay, great. With that, I'm going to call Jesper. Hello? Hi, how are you? Hey, hey, I'm doing good. It's, you know, it's so weird to record together while the sun is shining outside. I'm used to always, (laughs) it's always evening on my end. (laughs) It is, though. It's funny. You say that with the sun shining and it's a rainy day here and completely gray. So the sun is not shining for me this time. I'm glad that it's not here because we have to go to like a school party, which is held (sighs) outside afterwards. So I'm very happy that it's not raining (laughs) (laughs) no that wouldn't be nearly as much fun yeah we're just getting into the the fall weather patterns in maine and that usually leads to a lot more rain which is good because we're down nine inches we'll we'll take some water Mm. okay well the plants probably likes it yeah they do (laughs) everything really likes it the frogs really like it yeah yeah Okay, cool. So I think we got to plot post number six last time. We were supposed to do the climax next. Yeah, we're up to the climax, which, well, I want to back up. We also, there's that little part right between the planning phase and the climax that's called the decision. And it's usually just a paragraph, but it's where the the protagonist decides I'm in for this. I'm doing it. And so we don't have Dramna there yet. Right now she's hiding like in the corner under the covers and the apprentice assassin is coming in to murder her, his... Um... <laughs> oh, and though, speaking of that, I almost said murder her master. And I, was, I did have that thought last week after we finished. I'm like, gosh, we've never talked about the possible gender being anything other than male for the apprentice. But all right, I won't yeah. throw that wrinkle in right now, but I'm like, oh, I could see that kind of bonding. Oh, you poor, you know, we're both women in this thing together kind of angle. Like, I could totally see that happening. Yeah, yeah. Why but I won't sidetrack. Yeah. So that, that, that <laughs> goes to show you can change the gender of a you know, key pivotal figure in your story. Like when you hit the climax, why not? Yeah, why not? But yeah, so we do have her, we do have Dramna not yet making the decision that she's going to do whatever it takes to save Askel's life. So we're, we have that, and that'll move us straight into the climax with the action. Right. So I was just looking in our little book here, and it says, while the reader should have a general idea of what's coming, that's far from the same as being certain of the outcome. Well, okay. I, I don't think... Anyone will be certain that she can defeat this uh, assassin that is coming. We do want to create immense doubt in the reader's mind as to whether or not the hero will actually make it. So we have included three different aspects to build 
the uh, climax from. Okay. So aspect number one is saying a stake that is so high that it almost seems impossible for the protagonist to come out victorious. Number two, making it so that progress is only earned when the protagonist is taking direct action. And number three, create an, quote, obvious surprise, unquote, by the use of foreshadowing, which the reader should have seen coming, but didn't. Okay. And then we've divided those three aspects into some steps to go through. So I think we can just take them one by one here. That sounds good. So aspect number one, we labeled that the ultimate stake. (laughs) So everything that happened before, all the hurdles, the losses, the problems, the pain, and the blood has brought us to this final stake. The biggest conflict of the entire novel. During the planning phase, it was said that the protagonist has to go through a series of trial and errors, applying the skills, allies, and knowledge that has been acquired so far before achieving the goal, creating a disaster, or generating an outcome that the villain didn't uh, expect either. In approaching this, it helps to stay focused on just the protagonist and outline four key events that'll make up the climax. Key event number one, This could be a minor setup for the bigger moment. Perhaps people are getting into position, sneaking into the enemy base, or some other type of initial tense moment. The time to draw things out is over though, so aim to begin the action no later than by the end of the first key event. Okay. As a bonus, if you allow the protagonist to feel nervous, the reader will too. Well, I definitely think we have Dromna feeling nervous. I think so, too. So, yeah, this key event is sort of like just a step before the action. But remind me, when we were talking about the development phase last time, we had this whole conversation about uh, locking the door and uh, all those things and trying to block the assassin from entering. Was that part of the development phase or was that... Was that us speculating about the climax? Because I don't remember anymore. We had it as part of the development phase. And I would say, I did think about this too after we finished, is that if this was a novel, I think our the way we plotted the planning phase would have been different. Like each hurdle would have been a different hurdle. Instead, we have Dravna in the city, like in the hospital or infirmary center. It's all in one space, but we're writing a short story. And so we're keeping everything compact. But if we were watching a novel, I mean, the planning phase could be like six chapters. Right, yeah. So we've made this much smaller. I did want to throw that out there for anyone, you know, listening in that if you're plotting a novel, this would be much more drawn out. The plotting posts that we're coming up with would be a lot, The you know, these individual steps within each planning phase would be much bigger, longer. But we're writing a short story, so we're keeping things very compact. It's in the same, it's like the same scene. It's it's literally going to flow together. And I think that's what we're seeing right now in the climax. The step, the, what's going on last week, the last planning phase was very much just right merging with the climax because it's a short story. We're keeping it tight. Right, yeah. And that then makes me think if... I think we left her off where she locked the door and jumped under the covers or something like that. 
she couldn't lock the door. That was it. She went to lock the door. Right. Realized it didn't lock. And we're like, she was going to push a dress or something in front of it. Right. And ran out of time. The uh, the apprentice assassin, as yet unnamed, possibly ungendered, <laughs> possibly female, is just outside the door. And she realizes she's out of time. She kind of throws herself into the nearest chair, throws a blanket over herself and goes, what am I going to do? Right, so basically the door is open. It's not blocked or anything. The assassin can walk right in. Exactly. Okay. All she managed to do was actually shut the door. It had been opened before. Right. I guess our key event number one, well, it should be some sort of tense setback thing. You know, the the assassin will definitely enter the room, close the door behind her. Let's say that. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And then the question is, how can we create a setback for Dramna here? Because obviously she can't make the assassin know that she's awake. I mean, she can't jump out of the chair or out of the bed and start attacking the assassin or anything like that. That That's not going to work. No, and she's smart enough. She knows that's not going to work. Yeah. I To me, the most tense thing is the assassin, the apprentice walks in and just stops like you know two three feet away from Dramna and Dramna knows that this this apprentice assassin who is probably she's figured out as the one who's tried to kill Askel is just standing there looking at her and just though that minute of her heart racing going oh my god I don't know what I'm gonna do is she gonna attack me what's gonna happen and then break the tension by actually having her walk over to Askel's bed and basically dismissing Dramna but actually kind of walking in going, shoot, I didn't think she was going to be here. What do I do? Just have that have that pause. Yeah, and before... And let the tension just simmer. Yeah, and before she goes over to Askel's bed, she will stand there like you described, watching Dramna, mm-hmm. and Dramna can probably feel her eyes on her, like, and her heart is racing like crazy, right? And we can, we can <laughs> describe how she's afraid that she's trembling, uh, mm-hmm. that... The assassin will then know that she's awake and she knows that the assassin is there. And she will also maybe have some doubts about, did the assassin hear that I closed the door? You know, did they see, Mm -hmm. did did the assassin see that the door was open as well? And that I locked it or, oh, sorry, closed it. And after standing there for a while, maybe the assassin walks over to Dramna and leans in and Dramna can smell her. And she puts her <laughs> finger underneath Dramna's nose just to see if she, how she's breathing. And, you know, to try to figure out whether is she's taking deep breath. Is Dramna asleep? Or, mm-hmm. and, and Dramna's like really struggling because she knows what's happening. So she's really, really struggling to keep her breath calm and like just deep and like, I'm asleep, don't worry. <laughs> you know. Oh, God. I think that would be pretty I freaking. think that's great. Yeah. And Dramna has the senses, you know, she wouldn't she wouldn't even have to open her eyes. She has she can hear and smell and all those other things that she's learned because she's already blind, so she's learned to use her other senses. So she knows exactly what's going on and is freaking out and trying not to freak out. It would be really funny as athlete is as the apprentice assassin moves away, she actually like covers her up a little bit and walks away. Right, yeah, yeah. Let, let's <laughs> just to like show some kindness, but also like this this person is just totally screwed up. Right, yeah. Let's um, let's do that for key event number one. 
Okay. On to key event number two, which is very much linked to what you said about before writing a full novel versus a short story. I mean, in a full novel, this uh, climax would traverse several, several chapters. So in key event number two, it says, uh, begin the second key event with a reaction to the first setback and then immediately escalate the conflict, creating a situation where neither the protagonist nor the antagonist can simply turn around and walk away. There is no dominant Mm. side at this point, but it becomes clear that one of them will have to best the other. So why I said that was, uh, before I read that aloud, was basically like, don't we already have this set up? (laughs) Pretty much. We're definitely combining these a little bit just because it is a short story. And that's sort of how you have to boil down an entire novel into something that's uh, bite-sized. It's a lot of work. Yeah, so I would propose that we just jump into key event three. Well, hey, we're going fast today. I like this. (laughs) So here it says it's all about winning or losing at this stage. But in most stories, it'll be a chaotic environment with shifting sides. Mm. There is to be no simple solution for the protagonist and remember to keep it personal. The best way to achieve this is by covering what is happening to and around them. You know, is he or she worried about losing, getting lost? Giving the reader a quick reference like that enforces the fact that the stakes are realistic and high. Right, so this one is not difficult. We know that the assassin is moving up to Askel, getting out the knife probably, preparing to stab Askel or slit his throat, or probably slit his throat, that's more nasty. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's more assassin-like. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, of course, Dramna is... Well, I was just about to say she's peeking out, but she can't see anything. But she she senses what's happening here. She knows that the knife is out now, and she knows that I, unless I do something, Askel is going to die. And mm-hmm. she probably won't think that the assassin will come to kill her afterwards. I don't think so. Also based on the assassin just pulling the blanket up a bit on her, and so, so she probably feels like she's not going to kill me. But Askel is going to die unless I do something. And Askel is like this mm-hmm. huge legend within Elven society. So obviously she cannot allow that to happen. So we have probably a situation where she knows, okay, I need to do something. And I don't think we need to start a ma- mapping out the entire fight here. That doesn't matter. We'll, we'll do that during the writing. But I think a few steps in there should probably be that she tries to get the knife that we talked about in the last episode. She sees, uh, she mm-hmm. knows, not sees, but she knows the knife is there and she tries to collect that, thinks that she gets noticed and are very nervous about that, number one. And number two, she will have to launch herself at this assassin from behind, attacking the assassin. She probably should get a stab in to wound the assassin, but I think we need to build it so that she doesn't just win there. You know, it has to be so that the assassin throws her off and comes at her, and we have to build it so that basically the reader will read it like, oh shit, she's not going to make it. And then we make something happen so that she does make it in the end. I don't think we need to Mm -hmm. map out, out, out all that. No. No, I mean, we mentioned Askel does help, but I also, it has to be three quarters, seven eighths, it has to be Dramna somehow managing to get the upper hand, maybe because of her senses or something, but I agree, but just because that's, 
we can't have Askel. Askel obviously is going to be a mentor and an important figure and will help, but we've always said that, you know, it's that whole idea of she's the heroine of the story, so somehow she's got to be really pivotal in making the climax right. be what So what if we build it in it? a couple of stages? So she jumps up, attacks the, uh, the assassin, stabs her, the assassin throws mm-hmm. off Dramna, turns around, starts coming at her, then Askel wakes up, or maybe he was awake, maybe mm-hmm. he sensed it already, but he throws out a leg or something and kicks the other assassin. And then, you know, Dramna uses the confusion to attack again, and at this point, the reader will now think, okay, now she's going to win because the assassin just mm-hmm. got distracted, but then we'll make it so she doesn't, you know? So Dramna mm-hmm. is thrown back again or something, or maybe she's even wounded herself, Dramna. Mm-hmm. And then we we can't make it so that some deus ex machina comes into the picture, like somebody opens the door or something. It has to be no. Dramna's own action. But mm-hmm. at that point... When she fails after the assassin got distracted, the reader will think that, okay, now it's over. So there we can then try to make it so that she reaches in her, inside herself or something. You know, she finds the willpower or the fortitude to actually go through with it and she succeeds in the end. Again, I, we don't need to map that out right here. But I, I think we yeah. should build it in tears like that so that there's actually two times where the reader will think, oh, she's going to make it. No, she's not. And then the third time, <laughs> she succeeds. I agree. And I also think it would be really good, too, that whatever happens, you know, whether it's Askel throwing a pillow or anything, that that, that it just plays out that, you know, Askel helps, he's aware, but it's also, you know, yeah, definitely still something that's developing. Yeah. Okay. Key event number four. And you know what? What? It's the same as before. We already have this one. <laughs> <laughs> yes! We are just plowing through our work today. Yeah, the, f- the fourth uh, key event is the final confrontation between the main character and the villain, which we just did. Yes. And then the we are on to that second... Uh, what did I call them before? Pillars? or? Yes, I think it was pillars. Or posts whatever <laughs> there was three of them the second <laughs> one is protagonist agency which we definitely have incorporated so this is more like making yeah. sure that the protagonist is the one driving things forward check mark done okay yeah we got that going on so the last part of the climax now is the obvious surprise ending oh obvious surprise yeah, so it says now that you have the climax outlined it becomes possible to tackle the obvious surprise ending. The first part is, of course, to make sure that the fourth key event is indeed surprising. But what about the obvious part? Right, so so what that means is that what happens there with the final confrontation, it needs to be surprising. And I think we tried to build that with those three stages, two fails and third time she, yeah. she succeeds. So that should be covering that. But then it says, what, what about the obvious part? You achieve this by foreshadowing it at the beginning of the novel. So go back and add something to the plot that mirrors what happens during the climax. Go ahead and update your notes for the intro. Hmm. So I'm thinking that if we're saying that Dramna doesn't want to kill the assassin, mm-hmm. then... 
the thing that could be added to the intro would be something like she saves an animal or something, you know, some small stuff. That, and then she just points out, like, life is too precious. You shouldn't waste it or something. So, and if you have that statement in mind, when you then read the beginning mm-hmm. or the ending, if you can recall what she said in the beginning, you would be able to add two and two together and say, well, of course she wouldn't kill the assassin. So we should set it up so that we... It seems as if she's going to kill the person, but then she doesn't do mm-hmm. it. And maybe Askell is even telling her, kill her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she refuses. And then you can sort of link it together in your mind as a reader to say, no, no, but she said in the beginning that life is too precious, so she doesn't want to kill people. Mm-hmm. Which, now I'm saying that out aloud, I'm also thinking that adds nicely into why, she cho- why when she joins the Assassin's Guild in the real novel, the first novel of our series... Mm-hmm. That she's a teacher. She's not an assassin. She doesn't. And, and the problems, yeah. The whole problem she has during the story where she's sent to finally kill someone and she's like, but he seems like a nice guy. Yeah, exactly. So this would explain why, you know, she just in general finds life too precious and you shouldn't just kill people. So when she joins the Assassin's Guild, which is a good thing to do in society, meaning you're going to get a prominent position in elven society. So it makes sense she would want to do that. Mm-hmm. But then she would say, but I don't want to be the ones going on missions. I I will teach people instead. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. Fits her character great. And I think we even have in the beginning a really good scene. I mean, she's in this really violent storm. You know, there could be anything, a snowshoe hair, something else that's also caught in the storm that they kind of find each other and she ends up protecting it, saying, oh, you poor thing, you know, let me keep you safe. We'll suffer through this together. Probably some animal that... Well, the the hair, they don't mind the winter cold so much, right? Could it be like a seagull or a bird or something? I hate seagulls. Something, but. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of different... There's Arctic... Tur- I mean, there are a lot of things, but anything that's going through a violence, um, like this big storm that's sweeping in, that's what we, we even think of a hare or even an Arctic fox, something that would normally go to ground. But if the water's rushing up and like flooding it, and so it's it's worn maybe as flood or it's caught in the storm and outside of its own house. But yeah, I mean, birds, turns, there's a lot of things that could be definitely just suddenly flung into her tent, either seeking shelter or literally blown into the tent that she could be then find and be like, you know, I'm not going to leave you to die alone. Come into my little shelter and I'll keep you safe. Okay. Yeah, I think it all makes sense then, and it ties things nicely together, both with the beginning, but also with the actual first novel in the real series. Yeah, I like it. Wow, that's the final part now. Almost. That's, this is really coming together. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, we have a... Well, in the future episodes, we have a bit to do about the actual individual chapters, but... In terms of, like, the main plotting items, this is the last piece. That's the wrap-up. Yeah, that's which is exciting. I And I think it's the wrap-up is so important. And I think a lot of authors tend to skip it. Because they just, they finish the climax and they kind of like, okay, the Woo-hoo. novel's done. But this, <laughs> yeah. It's so, to me, this sets the emotional end. This is, like, how you think of the novel later and this is what you remember the characters as being so i think it really helps to 
even if you don't plan on continuing the story, because this is just a short story, the character continues off into a novel, but it's, you know, a century later for her. <laughs> so or something like that. It's been, you know, she's almost 200 years old when she picks up the story again. And here we're calling her a teenager. So she's maybe like, what, in her 40s, 60s? I don't know what an elven teenager is like. Mm, indeed. <laughs> But yeah, so I think it's important to have a good wrap-up. It doesn't have to be long. I'm still pretty much a chapter or two, and I'm done with my wrap-up. Yeah. Even if I have another story going, you know, especially if it's in a trilogy and it's only book one or book two, they tend to be maybe a little bit longer because I get excited. But there's got to be some kind of emotional end. Right. I agree. And it should also be short. As I, This is a short story, so I think we're looking at one chapter for the wrap-up here at the end. Let's just see what our guidebook says about this. Your goal for the wrap-up is that you want to show the protagonist dealing with the emotions that follows from the climax, and you want to hint at what comes next in the character's future. It is time for the emotions to come out. Show your character dealing with the end of their arc. Perhaps the hero finally finds some peace. Maybe he or she is happy about Oh, sorry, after having finally repaired the relationship with a family member or frustrated as everything that has gambled was lost. Is he or she proud of what has been done and accomplished or disappointed knowing that the wrong choices were made? I think, and you need to help me a bit here with your notes, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) first of all, I think we need to do a time jump so that they're back at the citadel of far-seeing in the main city now. They've made their way back because Mm -hmm. we made some notes that I don't remember all the details of, but I do remember when we were talking about the initial character arc and all that, we had like quite a lot of notes and also discussions in the first episodes of this podcast about uh, what would happen once she came back and with the priestess Mm -hmm. and meeting her parents again and all that. We actually did a lot of that uh, previously, I remember. Yes. Yes, I mean, we even have her as one of like the final acts. The priestess says, you know, I can't say you're allowed to join the Assassin Guild over becoming one of Naveen's chosen. You have to ask Naveen. So she has to go back to the shore and ask. And eventually, I think we have that she actually pauses. You know, she tries for a few days, I think it was. And finally, Naveen says, fine, but I will ask oh, for yeah, that was that's, later. It was so cool. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah, so we have that coming in the final book of our trilogy yes. <laughs> of what that favor will be 200 years later. Yes, exactly. But to that, we do have a lot of this, I think, wrapped up. And I mean, I could almost hear like, I I could have seen like in the background that maybe she sends a message to her parents and says, I'm fine. I'm sorry. I'll explain later. That she rides back with Askel once he's well enough, which hopefully I'm assuming is since he's helping to kill off an assassin and whatever trial, whatever goes on there. But I'm assuming that, you know, the assassin will be punished in whatever way that works for the Assassin's Guild. And she'll be riding back and maybe they'll see like the t- the citadel in the distance and he'll be just be like, you know what, you should join the Assassin's Guild. I can almost see that as like an opening line to the wrap up like, hey, why don't you join? <laughs> Then she has to see her parents and get their forgiveness as well as all of that goes on. Goes and sees the priestess. Goes and begs Naveen for forgiveness and this permission. And then she finally gets to actually join the Assassin's Guild. Yeah, I basically agree with all of that. The only thing I was thinking about just to make it a bit, maybe a bit more interesting is that 
So if Askel wanted her to kill that other assassin and she doesn't do it, mm-hmm. I was just thinking if we could build on that in the sense that that confrontation there is actually what makes her realize that she does not want to be a assassin. You know, the fact that, like, what I mean is that they probably... Either Askel could just kill the assassin there, but I don't think that that's very dramatic. It would probably be better if they go back mm. to the citadel of Farseeing to the main city, and then the assassin has to be punished. And even having Dramna being... talking on behalf of the assassin, maybe sort of like trying to convince people, don't kill her. You know, or something, mm-hmm. because Dramna just don't think it's a good idea. Also, we talked about before, the population of the elves are fairly low, so she just mm-hmm. thinks life is too precious. So I'm I'm wondering if we could make some coupling between the fact that they do kill the assassin as a punishment, and Dramna doesn't like it, she's troubled by it, and then she's asked to join the assassin's guild, by Askel, and there we need to think about Askel asking her because he, she saved his life, so he she he can see that she has some value and she's she's good at what she does, even for a very young age, and even despite the fact that she's blind. So he will ask her, but at the same time, he will probably have some doubts about the fact that you're so much against killing, you know, that doesn't really work. So you need to get over that. But... But she stands right. her ground, she's firm now, she's not immature anymore, so that's where we'd couple in the end of her arc. Like, she knows what she mm-hmm. wants now, so she's like, yeah, that's fine, but I'm not gonna, I don't want to. And then, you know, maybe Askel thinks that, well, okay, you're young, you know, you, you'll you'll learn it, you'll get around, so you should join the Assassin's Guild at any rate. And um, she maybe agrees because of what I said before in terms of that it will elevate her position within society. Um, she probably didn't want to be one of Nivine's chosen anyway. So this is another, this is sort of a way out for her. It, it's, it gives her a new future. Yeah. But then we should probably have her say and at the end of it that that's fine. Yes, I will join, but I will not kill anyone. I think we have to be be very careful because we have her joining and being a very a trainer and a teacher and a member and i mean part it's part of her mission as a teacher we have even in the beginning of the book that she is trying to teach to balance and it's not just about you know getting making a name for yourself it's about doing things that are right for the purpose and i think that is gonna have to be the key because we don't want to make it like okay you don't ask will going you don't want to kill anything and you don't listen to me why would he even right, invite yeah. her? And to it's the Assassin's Guild. Why would she join if she doesn't want to kill anything? But I think if somewhere in there the kernel is that it is for the best of the elves. If she can see that and believe that and he sees that she believes that truly and it glows in her, basically, he will... That's that We need that to stand out, that even though she doesn't want to kill anything she truly believes in what is best for the elf. Yeah, that makes sense, for sure. Uh, because that was also what I'm in my mind I was struggling with, uh, to, to make mm-hmm. it believable that Askel will want her to join. Yeah. And, and plus, we 
we haven't written the final book of the actual full trilogy yet, so I can't say for sure if she's going to kill somebody or not yet. <laughs> yet. We don't know. But I do think, I think she can if it is for the good of the world, the good of the elves. Right. So she would argue that the killing that other assassin is not for the good of the elves. Yes. And I guess Askel would say, yes, it is, because she's a traitor. She tried to kill me. Mm -hmm. And who knows, maybe she will kill another elf. So we're just saving potential future lives or something. And I don't know. That's maybe the part that Dramna does not agree with. But I think we have to have that resolve, that they have to be in agreement, that they basically have to learn to respect each other and that he can see that she will do stuff for the good of the elves and that she will see that either letting this elven assassin, you know, seeing that she is, something is wrong with her and that she will hurt other people, that has to be resolved so that it fits together. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense that she's going to then say, yeah, I want to be an assassin over in Naveen's Chosen. It's got to be something, it's a life choice. Yeah. And she's got to be ready for that. And he's got to want to take her under as a mentoree. And the only problem here, of course, is that uh, if it wasn't a short story, that would be easy because then we could we could add like a twist of her saying, no, 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 I, I, I don't think that it's for the good of the elves to kill this assassin. And then mm -hmm. that assassin tries to break out of jail and kills another one. And then, boom, there you got your point. Right. But if right. we do that, it adds another chapter. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, we don't want this to go off the rails. And that's why I think we just have to be very uh, careful in how we end up writing it. It's just it's got to be short and to the point. This is the wrap up in a a wrap-up in a full novel can be just a chapter or two. So a wrap-up in a short story, it could be a, just a short chapter. I mean, this could be very short. So we really have to... And we already have so much going on. She's got to ask her parents for forgiveness. The priestess, Naveen. She's got to join the Assassin's Guild. This is like... <laughs> that's like five, three chapters right there. So we have to right. be really careful how we boiled all this down and not add in something that's going to be like, okay, it does not make sense that she ends up at the Assassin's Guild now. So how do we get them to see eye to eye? That's what I don't know. I, and again, I have one to, I have one Askel to say, you're right. Let's, let's, you know, put her in prison for a little while or Dramna's going to have to be the one who changes her mind and says, you're right. We'll have to go visit the prisoner or ha she'll have to have done something, just something that makes her realize that, yeah, no, she really will kill anyone. And it is right that for the good of the elves, she shouldn't be here. It's one of the two. Yeah, maybe we could have what I just said, but it happened off screen. So mm -hmm. when they talk, when her and Askel talk about it, she will do her claim that no, no, it doesn't help anything. It's not for the good of the elves uh, to kill mm -hmm. this other person. And Askel will say, yes, it is because she's dangerous and she will be against that. But then Askel could just say that, did you know actually last night she killed the guard trying to get out? But we did yeah. contain her, but, you know, something like that. So it happened off screen. It could be done in two sentences. Yeah, I think it, it's all it's so unfortunate we can't have it longer. But no, I think that'll work as long as some, she has to commit something that Dromno will be like, OK, no, I didn't know that. And you're right. In that case, you're right. Yeah, indeed. Um, okay. And then, of course, we need to build in a bit of emotion about uh, maybe Dramna thinking back to how you know, the the lady assassin there actually, you know, pulled the blanket up on her in that back in, uh, mm -hmm. in the other city and so on. So she will still be troubled about it, but she right. will need to overcome her troubles and say, okay, I understand that the 
elven assassin is doing these kind of deeds sometimes, but I accept that sometimes you have to compromise for the greater good or something like that. So we yeah. can make some a bit of a lesson there for Dranda mm-hmm. in the end. I think that sounds good. And I and speaking of emotions, I mean, we need to have uh, uh, the emotional reunion with her parents. And we keep forgetting Ubri. So, you know, she's got to at least see him once. I think we had mentioned they were they going to kiss? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think so. Oh, I think that they're going to kiss at the end. So we got to keep that in there, too. Yes. Okay, well, I think that that's at least enough for us to do a full chapter by chapter outline. Yeah, I think so, too. And of course, we just for the listener here, we're not going to sit here and record every chapter by chapter outline because that's going to be <laughs> way too boring for you to listen to. So we'll do that uh, offline. And then once that's done by the magic of podcasting, for you, it'll only take a week and then we're done because then we will record another podcast episode after that to just review some of the stuff we've done. And uh, for you, a week will pass. For us, it'll probably take... I don't know, three weeks or something. <laughs> something. But I actually thought we were going to talk really quickly about subplots and just how we're going to develop strong chapters. Or are we going to do right. that? Yeah, we'll do first. Yeah, let's yeah. Enjo- inject a. We'll inject an episode about that next week, and then the okay. week after we'll do the magic trying traveling thing with in podcasting, and and then be back with. I guess it's going to be the final episode after that, where we just review yeah. a bit of what we've done. Yeah, just two more, but that sounds good. So yeah, let's let's see if we, there's any subplots that we need to add and how we're going to create the strong chapters that we're going to then go outline. Well, cool, though. It's so neat to have most of the plot posts all wrapped up and kind of know where the story's going. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting read. And of course, also, dear listener, once we have written the story and made it available for reading, we will publish a short announcement here on the podcast feed to let you know where you can get it so if you're interested you can actually read what all these conversations turned into (laughs) (laughs) i I can't wait to read what all these conversations turned into (laughs) all right all right yeah my day is just beginning so i gotta get probably back to it and yours is you got a whole school thing to go to right yes but it was good putting these final pieces together and uh, we are good to go then Yeah, I think so. Can't wait one more and then we get to actually do some writing. All right. Speak to you next week then. All right. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Write the Story, a limited series podcast. Please consider to support. It will help us make more podcasts like this one in the future. Go to www.patreon.com forward slash am writing fantasy.